0: You can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike.
1: Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11 this morning. So today we're going to be talking about how to talk to God. Next he says, Hallowed be Your name, or thy name. That's what I like to say. Hallowed be thy name. Now, it doesn't help us either way because, you know, I don't think that any of us probably normally just read through this and not even understand what he is saying here. Hallowed means holy, dedicated, set apart for someone or something. That's what hallowed means. It just means holy. Or, you know, same word we translate as saint, same word we translate as sanctified, it's all from the same root. But, hallowed be thy name, actually the grammar in this text is saying, may your name be hallowed. That's what the Greek literally says, may your name be holy. For those of us who need it, you know, the dummy version, we start out praying saying, May people honor you, Lord. Or, or may the people of this world give full dedication, reverence, and respect to who you are. That's what he's saying. Full dedication, reverence, and respect to who you are. I, Lord, I want your name to be exalted. And certainly his name is worthy of being exalted. He says, your kingdom come. And, and when we say this, we're asking God, will you establish your kingdom? Now, remember when Jesus was with his disciples... And it was, it was right on the day of Pentecost, right, right, or excuse me, 10 days before the day of Pentecost. It was right at the Ascension Day. It was the Ascension Day. They were standing there with Jesus, and they said, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons that are in the Father's care, but you'll receive power when, you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He says, don't worry about all that, but think about this. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And 10 days later, they did. But that was the question. In fact, in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, the Pharisees asking Jesus another question. It says Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here, see there. So it's not gonna there it is, or that's the kingdom, oh this is the kingdom right now. You know, it's it's, say, it's not like that. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. What does he mean by that? He, what he's talking about is when Jesus is, is near, the kingdom of God is near, and when we accept Jesus into our life, we become a part of the kingdom of God. It, it's just like Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, talking about being born of the Spirit. He says that this wind blows where it wishes. You, you hear the sound of it, you don't know which way it comes or which way it goes. He says, so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. It's not something you can observe naturally. But when you are born again of the Spirit, you are in the place now as a resident of the kingdom of God. And you bring the kingdom of God with you. And now it's in you. And then you bring it to other people as the image bearer of Christ. You bring the image of God to other people and the kingdom of God to other people as you share the gospel with them. And they enter the kingdom of God as well. And so when we pray for the kingdom of God, when we're praying, you know, your kingdom come, what we're praying is your kingdom here. We're praying for Jesus' return ultimately. We want Jesus to come back and establish his millennial kingdom, right? But immediately I'm praying, God, your kingdom. Now remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus, allow your kingdom to have rule over my life, your authority over my life, over my family, over my church, over my town, over my community, that you would have your kingdom reigning and ruling over the hearts of the people in my sphere. And that's that's how we want to pray that God would bring His kingdom to earth not just in the future, but then he also says your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven and we're praying the same thing. Again, we're praying for Jesus to return, that his earth will be done, His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven, but but now I'm also just praying God, I want your will done in my life and in my family, and and in my church that I belong to, and in my town that I live in, and in my community, that 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 would be the way that that I'd be praying that God would bring, and this is what I'm actually praying for, revival. Bring revival, your kingdom, into my life. And then he says, verse 3, give us this day our daily bread. And and now we've exalted God's name, we've prayed for revival, now we're praying for supplication. And, and this is, of course, he says daily bread, you know, our daily provision, our daily food. But, you know, it's no coincidence that Jesus is our the bread of life, right? And there's no coincidence that we have devotionals that are called the daily bread, right? Because we go and we get our manna for today, our, our Jesus for each day to sustain us. And, and so we're praying for provision. This this is the section of the prayer that is called supplication. I'm praying for supply for myself, but maybe also for other people. Verse four, it says, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So forgive us our sins or forgive us for sinning against you or, or even forgive us for sinning against other people. This is the part of prayer where I'm asking God, forgive me. The Bible tells us in John 1, 1, 1.9 that if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. First John 1 John 1.9. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So I can go before the Lord and I can confess my sins before him. I can say, forgive me of my sins. And he promises, he guarantees that he will. But then he also adds to it that I would forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So those who have sinned against us. That, that's important, too, because as I think about what Jesus has done for me, it becomes apparent that I've been forgiven a great debt, and I want to be like Jesus, and, and so I want to forgive other people as well. Matthew 18, Jesus kind of unpacks this for us in kind of a beautiful way, and he talks about this king who was owed by a, a servant of his, I think, 100,000 talents. Depending on if that's gold or whether that's silver, only Elon Musk could pay this debt. It's like $100 billion or $100 million, depending. But it's, 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 it doesn't even matter. It could be you know, $300,000. This guy can't pay a dime. You know, he is broke. He's in trouble. He's in debt. And he goes before this king and he falls on his face and he said, be patient with me and I will pay all. Yeah, right, you're going to invent PayPal, and then, you know, (laughs) one thing led to another, and you're trying to buy Twitter, really? Is that how it's going to go? Because you're not going to pay this debt. And so the king's like, okay, you know what? That's pathetic. I forgive you. And forgives him, clears him, go. You don't owe a dime. And he goes out, and he remembers, there's a guy who owes me 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii is 100 days wages. Let's just say it's 30 grand, just for argument's sake what you'd make in 100 days of working on an average day labor. 30 grand, pretty big deal, right? But he takes this guy and he says, pay me the debt you owe me. And the guy says, be patient with me, I'll pay all. Just be patient with me. Now, could he pay that debt? Yeah, he could. I mean, it would would just take, I mean, if he worked really hard, an extra job, he could pay that debt in a year easily, probably, maybe two years. The guy says no, and he throws him into debtor's prison. Well, the king finds out. Grabs that guy, you said, you wicked and evil servant. And he says, deliver this one to the torturers until he pays all, the 100 billion, right? I forgave you that debt, you wouldn't forgive him that measly debt, and I forgave you this huge debt. He delivers over to the torturers. And then Jesus says the most horrifying and terrifying thing in the entire Bible, I'm pretty convinced, he says, so, will my heavenly father do to each of you if you from your heart do not forgive? <gasps> what does that mean? Does it mean we're going to go to hell? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you're going to be tortured. What does that mean? Well, remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 when the man had, he was like having this affair with his stepmom, weird stuff going on. And Paul says, Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that he might be saved in the day of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means if if I'm going to hold on to a, an unforgiveness in my heart, then God is going to say, "Okay, if you won't forgive, then I'm going to let you. I'm going to let Satan have access to you. You want to invite Satan into your life? Hold on to unforgiveness, and you will be twisted up in your head and your mind and all this stuff. It'll be it'll be awful until you repent and forgive, and then that will go away, right?" But you want to open up yourself to demonic, a demonic presence than just be an unforgiving person, a bitter person. And that will, that will happen to you. I've seen, I've seen it too many times. And so he says forgive. It's, it's not where, you know, Jesus forgave me. Okay, so how do I forgive that? How do I forgive something that somebody's done to me that's been horrible, like something so awful that I can't even imagine? Well, you talked about it earlier, Mike, when you said your dad and that memory is so painful and that relationship is so broken and there is no way how do i deal, how do how i deal with that well it's it's actually it's actually pretty simple confess your unforgiveness and this is the hard part but confess it as sin god i know that you forgave all sin i want to hold on to this i know that falls short of your glory i confess it as sin